listening to a Clovis Hills podcast. You're about to hear from one of our teaching pastors. I want to encourage you, go download the Clovis Hills app where you can listen to sermons, you can give, you can do the growth group questions. They're on there too. And you can study God's word together. God bless you guys and go be the church. Just pause for a moment. First, I want to uh, welcome all of you online. I want to welcome those at our Old Town campus. Uh, Novato is fun being with you guys last week and preaching to you. Great to be uh, in your uh, city with you and grateful for all that God's doing through that small little band, uh, that little army of of people ready to take uh, their city by storm. Also want to, uh, our Tulare campus, Pastor Sean is preaching there live this morning, so they won't be watching. They don't care about what I'm saying right now. Uh, But it's a blessing. Is it not good to be here on Father's Day? And I just want to express, by the way, uh, Jamie mentioned axes and arrows. Look, man, we're just doing a man morning, all right, Next, this coming Saturday. You want to throw axes, you want to shoot arrows, you, you, you want to uh, beat cars with a sledgehammer. We have some more civilized stuff too, all right? But I'm just saying, we're spending a morning just having some fun as dudes, making some relational connection. More than just coming, I hope you'll bring a friend maybe that might not be as inclined to come here into the auditorium, but will come outside to shoot arrows, throw axes, have a man witch, that kind of stuff. So I want to encourage you to make sure that you uh, find a friend and do that thing. But here's the thing. I say that, and I want to give some man love to all the dads in the house, okay? All the fathers, grandfathers. There may even be some great-grandfathers in here. I just want to say, as Jamie mentioned, I love you guys, man. I'm pouring my life into you right now at this season of my life because I believe that men uh, that love Jesus and pursue and follow him can make a difference in the world and make, starting with their own, if they're married, in their own marriages, with their own families, in their city and community, and really throughout the world. So I'm into discipling men. I want to see an army of men raised up. And I'm praying right now that every man that calls the Hills family home, every man, will have a transformational experience this year. I'm praying that God will get a hold of every man, every man that calls the Hills family home and say, look, I'm, I'm ready to follow Jesus wholeheartedly, and hopefully this morning will encourage you to that end. But more importantly, let me, let me uh, throw it to the screen because I've got a guy, uh, an AMP graduate that just finished this year, and he can say it better than me. Every man in here is going to want to sign up for AMP after you hear my friend Chris Pentelute. My name is Chris Pentelute, and I found myself in the AMP program, actually by accident, we might say, or better yet, by God's plan. Uh, Long story short, I was at work, and I started feeling a little funny, and next thing you know, I woke up in the hospital being told that I had stage four brain cancer. So at that time, I had just got my craniotomy, got out of surgery, and the extension is, you know, the invite was extended to me by Pastor Mitch to come join AMP, and that there was an opening if I'd like to join. I found myself in AMP and what I found out of AMP in the long run was I found it to be applicable, memorable, and purposeful. It's something that you can take out there with you and be the church with. And we all have issues, we all have problems, we all need someone to talk to, we're all broken, and we just need help being put back together. So AMP is one of those things, especially for males, if you're a Christian or say you're you know a Christian that's walked away and thinking about coming back or maybe you're just struggling with things in life, this might be the program for you. Yeah. Mic drop, mic drop. 
So I want to encourage you, we're uh, promoting all the uh, cohorts out in the foyer today. You can talk to somebody, interact, but I'd encourage you, if you want to have your life transformed uh, this next year, uh, September's the time when all our cohorts get rolling, be a good uh, commitment, a good yes to Jesus for you to make. Now, how many of you uh, got to hear uh, Jim, Pastor Jim Franklin last week? Pastor Jim Franklin, yeah. He brought the thunder. I loved it because my son, you know, when, when you're a PK, man, you, you kind of spend too much time in the church. He just asked me one question when I got home. Hey, Dad, did you hear the Pentecostal Punisher this week? <laughs> the Pentecostal Punisher is what he described Jim Franklin as. He brought the heat, and I love the fact I've known Jim for a long time. Very thankful for his ministry and his leadership uh, in this community. But this morning, I want to bring us back to this long uh, series that we've been, we've done a deep dive in um, called Full Send in the book of Acts. So if you have your Bibles electronically or paper, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 6. I'd like to preface it by saying, have you ever struggled with, had a derogatory thought toward, had deep angst in your gut about organized religion. Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Organized religion. How many of you have ever had a problem with organized religion? Just be honest with me and raise your hand. Now, most of you aren't being honest with me, but I appreciate you being nice to me so I don't go off the rails early in this message. But here's the thing. I've been in this work of pastoring for 38 plus years. I've had a literally thousands and thousands of conversations with believers, unbelievers about church. And let me tell you something, you hear some interesting stuff when people want to talk about the church. And a lot of times, the reference, it'll end up sort of landing in this arena of organized religion. Sometimes it'll be, you know, uh, man, I, I, I love Jesus, but I don't like Christians. Or, you know, I'm, I'm cool with Jesus, but I don't like the church, all that big church. I don't, it's a big business, right? It's a big business sort of thing. And here's the thing, I understand that, I understand You know why? Because the church, the church that Jesus came to establish is all about him, right? He's the one we lift up. He is our living hope. So I got no problem lifting up Jesus, and he is the only perfect one. And here's the challenge. The church, organized or disorganized, is run by broken, uh, sinful people, including the one that's speaking to you right now, right? We are not perfect. Jesus is the only perfect person, right? He made the way where there is no way. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So it was his idea, and he chose to work through broken people like me, like Pastor Sean, our staff, to establish a church, a living church, that would actually be organized in such a way that we could carry out the mission that he's given us. And here's the thing, the truth is, you might have maybe an issue with organized religion, but you do not want disorganized religion. Okay, in fact, I'll go one step further. You do want, men, you do, want, do not want an disorganized axes and arrows event next Saturday. You're feeling it right now, aren't you? Where am I going with this? Well, I don't want us to get stuck, because quite frankly, I I love Jesus and I love the local church. 
I've spent 40 years of my life serving in the local church. Unspeakable privilege. And you may think that, wow, this probably is a preacher, is a highlight of my week, getting here and getting, getting the opportunity to preach. This is not the highlight of my week. I've already had the highlight of my week. It came on Wednesday. I was with my family. We were celebrating my mother-in-law who's here this morning, her 82nd birthday at Manhattan, having a wonderful evening. My son FaceTimes me, and being the kind, respectful dude that I am, I let it go. I let it go. I'm not going to pick it up, right? Well, then it's blowing up again. He's like sending me a rather terse text. Any of you get some of those from your kids? Okay, like, hey, dad, pick up the phone. So I got to get up from dinner. I got to go outside the restaurant. So glad I did. You want to know why? Because it wasn't my son. It was my grandson, Cristiano, eight years old. And here's what he said. Pampa, I gave my heart to Jesus tonight at VBS. Now, here's, here's the beauty of it. It wasn't at my church this church. It was at another church in town that's doing a, a vacation Bible school. And you know what? They got a bunch of people organized and presenting the gospel to kids. And here's why it means so much to me. I pray for my grandkids every day, every day. Don't underestimate the power of your prayers. I pray every day and I pray one prayer. I don't pray for them to like go to a good college, become successful in life. You know what I pray for? God, would you save them early in life? Save their soul so they can have a love for Jesus and a love for his church the same way their Mimi and Pompa do. And I just want to encourage you. That may be the word that some men need to hear today. Listen, this has been a recent exercise for me. I haven't done it all my life. I'm, I'm a newbie as a, as a grandpa. Seven, seven grandkids now in just a short period of time. But I'm praying for them every day because one by one, God's going to save them. Right? He's going to save them. So I want to encourage you to do the same. So... So here's the deal. Acts chapter 6, 1 through 7. I'm just asking you to consider this morning that the Bible presents a case, and specifically the book of Acts, which is really about the, the emergence of the early church. For an organized church, for a structured church, for, for a delegation of duties and responsibilities, that there's assignments that certain people should assume, and there's other assignments that others should assume. And the beauty of it is I hope when we're done this morning, you're going to feel like I want to and need to be a part of it. We don't, we don't, who's the church? Right? We say we are. We don't go to church. We are the church. We are the ministry of the church, all of us together. And so I'd like you, if you're able to, out of respect for God's word, if you stand for the scripture reading this morning, it comes from Acts chapter 6, starting at verse 1. We pick up the story here where Luke writes, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. 
The proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Hear the reading of the word of God. You may be seated. You may be seated. I'd like to tackle this uh, short text really pretty simply. We're going to look at the problem. We're going to identify the solution. We're going to look at the overriding, overarching principle that I want us all to understand. And what was the outcome? We all like a good outcome, right? Was there something good that happened based upon what we read in this text? Yes. And it's still happening, and that's why I'm so energized about sharing this with you. So, first, let's look at the problem. Introduced right out of the gate, verse 1 simply says this, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews. In other words, here we got this young upstart emerging church in Jerusalem, and people start complaining about how things are being handled by leadership. Can you imagine that? <laughs> right? Murmuring, grumbling, and complaining. Now, fortunately, we've come a long way. <laughs> Murmuring, grumbling, and complaining. Here's the truth of the matter. We all know this, so why do we participate in it? Murmuring and complaining sucks the oxygen out of things. It sucks the life out. Can I hear an amen again? Right? And here's the thing. Part of it, this part of why I don't listen to news anymore. I don't. I've stopped. I haven't been, haven't been listening to news for years. I pick up bits and pieces that I need to, and here's why. I'm not filling my mind with all that darkness. I don't want to hear all that foul news. I don't want to hear all that dark, dreadful narrative over and over and over again. I want to fill my mind with good things. And so, here's the thing. We think that complaining and murmuring is inconsequential, but we shouldn't be fooled. It sucks the life out of things. It is damaging to carrying out the mission of the church. I call it death by nicking. Death by Nikki. Please, if you're going to stab me, stab me straight in the heart. Don't nick me to death. All right, to me, that's murmuring and complaining. Now, here's the thing. You, Mitch, you're going off the rails here. No, I'm not. What was the complaint? Here was the complaint. The complaint had to do with, this happens all the time, preferential treatment in the distribution of the benevolence fund to the widows. Okay. Now, some of you are going to go, really? Is this earth-shattering news? This is the Jerusalem news feed of the day, right? Hebraic Jews having uh, contentious uh, uh, conversations with Hellenistic Jews. No. But here's the thing. I, I love the fact, I love the fact that this mattered. It mattered. And here's, here's why I know it. 
Go to the Old Testament and you'll see exhortation after exhortation, command after command to take care of widows. I'll just give you one, Isaiah chapter 1 verse 17, learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. That's just one. It's one of a, a, a plethora of verses you can find in the Old Testament. I love the way James James picked it up in the New Testament in James chapter 1, verse 27. He said this, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted in the world. Okay, so clearly there's a command in Scripture to take care of widows. So here's what I love, here's really what I love about what we read in this text, because don't, don't, listen, diagnosing the problem matters, right? Have you ever misdiagnosed a problem and had the outcomes of misdiagnosing something? It's challenging. It just creates more work, right? Getting it right the first time is kind of a smart thing to do. And I'm so grateful that we have, we have evidence here that even in the early church, the leadership was saying, we got to make sure that we're diagnosing the problem. So what is, is the murmuring and complaining and the distribution of food to the, uh, to the widows the main thing that's going on here? No, it's only part of it. There's a bigger problem at play. And here's the, here's the actual problem. How will we administer and organize the church, this growing church, in an efficient manner, manner to meet all the needs of the people that are becoming part of it? How many of you have any needs in your life right now? Just be honest enough to raise your hand. Any needs in your life, right? Guess what? Your needs are going to exceed our ability to deliver and meet them, right? And so this was happening early in the church, and what, what they recognized is we, we, need to, we need to do something about it. They didn't diminish the responsibility to minister to the widows. They just said, we got something bigger going on here. We better, I know this is going to bother you, but we better get organized. And here's the thing. I know it says we, they selected six men and all that. Let me tell you something. Women have always had significant influence in the life of the church. And I'm, I need to say that on Father's Day. Part of the reason I'm a great man is I'm, I've got a ministry partner and love of my life, wife that has served alongside of me for almost 39 years. We need everybody stepping up to do their part. So, so. There's a problem. They were uh, wise and discerning enough to diagnose, exercise prudence to say, there's a deeper problem going on here, so let's make sure we, we settle in and we provide a solution that not only meets the immediate need, but a, gr a bigger problem. And here it is, the solution of verse 3 and 4. Second, second point, the solution. Brothers and sisters, choose Seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and we will turn this responsibility over to them, and we, the apostles, will give our attention to prayer and ministry of the Word. Do you see what's going on here? This is actually uh, organization. This is division of labor. 
labor. This is diagnosing what's the deeper problem here and who needs to do what and how do we go about tackling this in an intelligent way that will have sustainability. Now, you're probably not as fired up about this as I am because I've served in the life of the church for a long time, but I I hope you'll feel some of my fire and feel some fire in your own bones about the part that you and I get to play. Because here's the thing, I wanna wanna look at this like like a coin, there's two sides to this coin. One is there are lots of needs to be met in the life of every local church, and every local church has the responsibility to organize in ways that will actually meet the needs of its members. And guess how most of that gets done? Through you. Say with me, I am a minister. minister. That was weak. I am a minister. minister. The truth of the matter is, most of the ministry of the church gets carried out through the members, not not through the clergy. So what I'm saying is, they look for men, it says very clearly that we're full of the spirit and wisdom. They didn't just look for anybody. They looked for some sharp, godly men and said, we gotta give this important assignment to you to carry out, you rally, you mobilize teams of people, you find a way to distribute this in an efficient manner, in an equitable manner, so that, so that the apostles could do what? They could do two things. Pray and minister the Word of God. Pray and minister the Word of God. Now, I'm going to get a little excited here like the Pentecostal Punisher Jim Franklin. Because here's what I want to say. Here's what I want to say. I had the privilege, unspeakable privilege, of being a a lead pastor for 17 years. I led a, a, a large church here in town for 17 years. So I know what I speak about. And here's what I know. Here's what I know. Most churches have an unrealistic expectation about what their pastor singularly can carry out in terms of his assignment. I'm going to tell you right now, the excessive expectations of a senior pastor in a local church today is crazy. It's crazy. And I know this because I've been in this community my entire life. I have many, many pastor friends that are senior pastors, large, small, medium-sized churches, and it is a demanding assignment. One of the greatest gifts that I can give to my senior pastor, Sean Beatty, is to carry out my assignment well and equip and train as many members as I can to carry out their assignments well so that we can have an appropriate, yes, we can have an appropriate load-bearing for everyone. I'm one of the few people in this church that wants our pastor to do less. I feel called here to help him focus on the few things that he does really, really well. And I'm trying to keep him out of everything else, along with Pastor Scott. And here's the thing, you are a big part of the solution. Because we have many varied ministries that need to be carried out. And we need you to carry out your part. We need you to be part of the solution. So, uh, the third thing is the principle. The principle. What is the principle that we can extract from this passage? We find it in verses 5 and 6. It says this, uh, this proposal, 
This proposal pleased the whole group. So really, when you get to the, the, the apostles are working with this group of leadership in the local church in Jerusalem. And so the, the proposals, uh, it pleased the group. And what they did is they ended up, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch. They looked for qualified godly men full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and they delegated this responsibility to them. And I want to say, I'm just going to, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for it because men, I've already given you a bunch of love. Okay. You've gotten a lot of man love already this morning. I'm going to tell you this, dudes, you got to step up. I need men to step up. And here's what I mean by that. I see some of the guys that are serving in children's ministry right now. They're just killing it. And there's something about a man being in the slot, like just, just, just pouring into these young hearts and minds. It's a beautiful thing to watch. Part of the encouragement I see in this church is all the young men and women that are serving in all sorts of various capacities. It's inspiring to me. It gives me, I have uh, absolute faith and living hope in Jesus, but I also have hope in the future of the local church because of what I see in lots of young emerging leaders that are doing all sorts of beautiful ministry in the life of the church. Listen, all of us are called to ministry. Every member is a minister. Here's the thing, Peter said it this way, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Paul said it differently in uh, Corinthians. There are different gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work, God in you, the hope of glory, God working through you to carry out the ministry of the church. I was thinking this morning, I think it was Tuesday, came to the office, saw the, uh, the pier room, doors open, boatload of people, cars, early Tuesday, and I'm thinking, what's, oh, that's right, we got a bunch of kids going to the beach, 50 kids going to the beach. You know what was the most beautiful thing about all this? Well, I'll say the second most beautiful. The most beautiful thing was seeing 50 kids super energized about going to the beach for a day. But what was beautiful is I heard almost zero staff going, all volunteers. Like a bunch of men and women stepping up, serving to like say, I want to go and create a moment for some kids. You go, hey, they're just going to the beach goofing around. No, 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 no. They're, they're creating community. They're creating connection. They know this is a church thing. They're, they're creating connectivity. It's a beautiful thing. Um, I praise God for the ministry of bacon. Now you're thinking, okay, what? what? Well, here's the thing. I went to my bride and said, babe, I need to cook 40 pounds of bacon on Father's Day. And uh, I'll let the cat out of the bag. One year we did it, and that was a bad idea. That was a bad idea for our marriage. 
So how about delegation of labor? She sends something out, four women step up, say, hey, I'll take 10 pounds, I got 10 pounds. What's it all for? You know what it's for? We're gonna give you dads a root beer float when you leave today with a bacon straw. Because we love you. Now, here's the thing. You're thinking, who cares? Uh, a bunch of dads are gonna care. I can tell you one thing, I care a lot. The four people are willing to step up, take their own time, their own ovens, their own energy, stink up their house, cook 10 pounds of bacon, get it ready for us to love on some dads today. Here's what I'm saying. It's little things, it's big things. It's big serving opportunities, it's quiet serving opportunities. It's stuff, it's stuff that's very noticeable and, and most of the work that we do for the Lord is, goes unnoticed but it's all for his glory. The church exists to minister to people. I love Rick Warren, you know, the purpose-driven church. He's the one that originally like just really slammed it home in terms of what the Bible says. Every uh, person is a minister. You are a minister. We are all ministers. We are the church. We carry out the mission and ministry of the church. We at Clovis Hills and at the Hills family, we say it this way. We really believe that the most connected members of the body of Christ are people that have relationships and responsibilities. Relationships and responsibilities. The church becomes a community. You're connected relationally. And then at some point in time along the way, Lord willing, you take on a little bit of responsibility so that you can do your part in carrying out the mission that God has given us. Now, here's the beautiful, I I just want, I don't want you to miss this, okay? Because it'd be easy to miss. What's the outcome? The outcome's very, very clear. They're very, very purposeful words that Luke uses. So the word of God spread. How many of us want the word of God to spread, right? Okay. The church got organized and the word of God spread. The word of God spread and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. Like disciple making is, is exponentially growing. And a large number of priests came obedient to the faith. Now listen, I, I, started, I started on purpose the way I did because I knew it would throw some people off the horse a little bit talking about organized religion. But here's the thing. The truth is the church was organizing. The church was developing and developing structure and systems. And some of those structures and systems are still gold today. They're being integrated and implemented in the life of local churches all over the world. And we want the same outcome. We want the word of God to spread. We want the number of disciples in uh, Fresno and Clovis and throughout California and throughout the world to increase on a large number of priests, religious people, and irreligious people to come to know Jesus personally. The gospel preached to the nations, the good news being carried to the world. I was reading this week uh, a book by Gordon MacDonald called Mid-Course Correction. 
And uh, I love Gordon McDonald. He's a pastor to pastors, so I've read a lot of his uh, writing. But he just shared a story, shared a story about Chuck Colson and Chuck Colson's conversion during Watergate and the whole Watergate scandal when he was the hatchet man for Richard Nixon. And it was so fascinating to hear. He described himself as one of the most 10, one of the 10 most powerful men on the planet. And here's how God got a hold of him. He had uh, two friends, Tom and Gert Phillips, that God had intersected into his life. And right at the peak of that scandal, before things went down, before he eventually wound up in prison, he had two Christian brothers that God brought into his life. And one night they invited him over for dinner and they shared the gospel with him. And he said he just sort of politely listened. He couldn't wait to get out of there fast enough. And then he describes it this, this way. He went out to his car and he said, outside in the darkness, this is Colson's words. The iron grip I kept on my emotions began to relax. Tears welled up in my eyes as I groped in the darkness for the right key to start my car. Angrily, I brushed them away and started the engine. What kind of weakness is this? I said to nobody. Why hadn't I prayed when he gave me the chance? When his friend presented the gospel and said, would you like to pray and receive Christ? I wanted to so badly. Now I was alone, really alone. And he said as he was driving away from these two brothers home, he felt a compulsion to pull the the car over, to just stop and think. And he said, with my face cupped in my hands, head leaning forward against the wheel, I forgot about the machismo, about pretenses, about fears of being weak. And as I did, I began to experience a wonderful feeling of being released and then I prayed I prayed my first real prayer Chuck Colson just prayed these words God I don't know how to find you but I'm going to try I'm not much the way I am now but somehow I want to give myself to you then he says over and over he said to God take me take me take me And God did. A man that God pulled from uh, the highest office in the world, put him in a prison cell, and then he started a prison ministry that really is impacting lives all over the world. Why do I share this with you? Because that is how our God works. The God of living hope. He reaches down from heaven into the heart and mind and soul of each man and woman. And at some point, he extends that invitation and we have opportunity to say yes, to receive, or to reject. And I love the fact that our pastor, Sean, he has a favorite verse, John 1.12. We know it, most of us know it by heart because we hear it every Sunday. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He, we hear that verse every Sunday, don't we, church? Well, I'm going to give you the rest of it because I love how John, here's what he says. Children born not of natural descent, 
nor of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. It's not even somehow we willfully say yes. It's the grace of God that even gives us the ability to say yes. God wells up in us. The Holy Spirit draws us to himself. And he simply invites us, it's it's your day. It's your day. It's Father's Day 2022. It's your day to receive me. I've set the table for you. I've got a banqueting table. You're invited. Come on in. This is what we do every Sunday at this church. And we'll continue to do until Jesus returns. I'm going to close in prayer. And here's the thing. I'm going to do what we do every Sunday at this church. For some, it might seem awkward. It's not for us because we believe it's a duty and responsibility, and that is the privilege of sharing the gospel, and then we invite people to respond. It's simply a way for you to say yes to God, yes to Jesus. And so I'd like you to bow your heads with me now if you're comfortable. Close your eyes, bow your heads.